You're listening to the Coaching Matrix Private Podcast. Okay, I just let in one more person. Okay, welcome, you guys. Happy Matrix Monday. Um, Today's an action call, and today we're going to be talking a lot about using different components of your business to make empowered choices about your offers, selling. It's also going to explain like if you've been stuck um, or if things have worked, it's really going to give you a context for like why things work for certain people. And um, someone is not muted. Okay. Anyway, so I'm using the term levers and basically the way that I want you to think about it is we're going to talk about big ideas and then you're going to see how you can kind of like use the lever yourself to make things work. And it's also going to explain why some things don't work. So I'm going to introduce you to the five levers. Um, Deliverables, price, demand, audience size, and time are the, the five levers of what makes sales in our business. And so the deliverables, think about it like the time you spend with clients. If you have a product, um, if you have a course, or maybe do one-on-one coaching. It doesn't really matter. It's like the things your clients and customers actually get. Then it's the price, what you charge. And then demand, which is a little bit harder to articulate and really like quantify, but basically how the marketplace is responding to your content offers the presence that you bring online. And then your audience size is like, how many people are on your email list? How many people follow you on social media? Um, How many people are, you know, on your LinkedIn profile or whatever. And then time you've spent in the industry is the other thing that we're going to use as like a lever that you can use in your business. And this is like how we build relationships, have that value, how people see you and respond to you, see you as an expert. And I'm going to give a lot of examples today. And then we'll do hot seat coaching at the end, because I think this will spark a lot um, of thoughts for you. And then uh, the way that I want you to think of this is like, you can use these levers, no matter how long you've been in the industry, no matter how many followers you have, no matter how many people you have on your email list. And I just want to offer, like, I have like 200 people on my email list and I, I make like multiple six figures because I understand how to use the levers in my business. And I think that this really empowered me. Like you can hit your money goals, no matter how many people you have, you just need to understand how to create offers and demand with your audience size and with the amount of time you've had in the industry. And so this is going to be really helpful no matter what's going on in your business. Okay. So the first one is deliverables. And I just wanted to quickly like review your offer um, for you, the person who's the, who's your offer for what problem does, does it, does it solve or do you solve? What's the process, which includes like, how long do you work with your people? Do they get any workbooks or worksheets? Do they get an online course? Do they get a product delivered to their doorstep? And then what's the big promise? Like, what do they, why do they want it? Um, and so one of the things that I want you to think through is when you have less demand, right? If you have a lot of time, if you're not working with a ton of clients, it'll be helpful because then you can actually have a more high touch experience with your clients. When I was like a new life coach, this was one of my like secret sauces, right? Like I would spend a lot of time talking to people, a lot of time getting to know them um, because I had the time and I didn't have the demand. So I, that's how I grew my business. When you have higher demand, you can use leveraged experiences like group programs or products instead of your one-on-one time. And what I love about this is like, it doesn't really matter where you're at. Like you just have to know what you can deliver based on the time frame that you want to work, based on what experience you have um, and things like that. The next lever is your price. Um, one of my favorite marketing teachers, his name is Dan Kennedy. He's like old school, but he has this quote. It's like, what's the most you can charge without cracking a smile? And that really like opened my mind to like, there's no like rules, right? We get to decide our price. I think if you can feel good about it and you can say it with confidence, like it really is up to you. I don't think there's any rules. One of the things is like, as you start to grow and spend more time in the industry, one of the things that um, people do is like raise their price, right? And one of the things that I will often ask my clients is like, are you willing to get more no's when you raise your price? And if you're willing to get more no's, it's probably a good time to raise your price. The next thing that's like more on the upside. On the downside, are you like, sometimes we lower our prices too early. And one of the questions I I often will think through is like, are you going to resent your client if they say yes, maybe it's a six month package, but you lower, like you discount or you lower your prices. One of the things that helps us like 
I guess, protect ourselves from being resentful is charging the right amount, right? And so those two questions kind of, actually all of these questions will help you decide your pricing. Um, the next thing, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but the math has to make sense, right? If you have a money goal of 200K and you're going to charge $97 for membership, does, do you have the audience, like you're going to see all these lovers work with each other. And so I think price is one of those things that it depends on the offer and it depends on your relationship to the offer and how, like, if you sold it before, if you have clients at that offer at that price. Um, but these are some questions that I'm, that I ask myself and I ask my clients, I think they're really useful. Um, the next thing is demand. And I want you to understand the continuum of demand because demand isn't something like you either have it or you don't. It's not binary. This is something that you all have certain levels of demand. And that's a beautiful thing. It just means that you have to understand how much, right? It's not if you have it, you do have it. It's just how much do you have it? Um, and so some of the key points that I want to share some like quick takeaways is to sell less spots than you think you can fill to whatever it is. And um, that's one of the ways you can create demand. If you do have lower demand, one of the things that you can do to still hit money goals is to charge more and give a more high touch experience. Um, and one of the things that I want you to think through is that demand is created, I give you like a little equation, is with time and value and less of you. And so what that means is like, if you are on the newer side of things, we're gonna kind of break it down into like beginner and intermediate. But one of the things that when you think through like why one-on-one coaching, for example, is so valuable is there's like only one of you, right? Like it, it's, it is very unique, it's premium. Um, there's more time with, with you. And so that's a really interesting thing to think about when you're also introducing like maybe a group program or a product or something like that the demand has to be there for whatever you're selling. And so think through how much time are they gonna get of you? How much value are they getting? And how much of actually you do they get the proximity and the access? And one of the other things that I wanted to bring up here for demand is the power of closing the cart and creating ethical urgency. Um, demand is like created, right? Like almost think of it like a, like a science experiment, right? It doesn't just exist. We create it with our thoughts, with how we market, with the timing of things, right? And so if you have it, like think about the difference of saying like, I have this product and it's just like infinitely available and you can buy it whenever you want and there's infinite resources, you can have it whenever you want versus saying I have sp five spots, the doors close on Friday, right? That we can create demand ethically based on the timing of things, the spots that we make available um, or how close proximity they get to you, especially if you're, you're coaching. I forgot to act, uh, mention in the beginning, if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat and I can answer them. Or you can save it to the end when we do hot seat coaching as well. The next piece is the audience size. And I want you to think of like maximizing and optimizing what you already have, because all of you guys already have the audience that you need. That's like a really powerful thing to see because that's how you're going to treat your audience in a way that, that gets them to value you and respond to your offers and your marketing. Okay. Um, you don't need a huge audience. I don't have a huge audience, but I've always been able to hit my money goals because I know how to treat my audience and to give them offers that make sense for it's like the right lever. Right. And so some of the mistakes I see with people's audience sizes is charging too little. If you have a, if you have a smaller audience or you, you know, you're newer in the game or whatever, unless you're running ads, I should mention that I'm not talking about running ads. I'm talking about organic. If you are, have a smaller audience, you probably need to charge more than you think you do just to make the math make sense. Um, we're going to go into a chart more in more specific detail about that too. The next mistake I see people make is assuming no one cares. If you have a small audience, it can be easy to think like no one really cares about your thought leadership or your offers or what you have to say. And I just want to offer like there are way more people watching you than you realize. And your consciousness of that fact will make you a better service provider for them. When you anticipate and imagine people waiting for you to show up, waiting for your email, waiting for your post, the energy that you bring to the content, the energy that you bring to your value, like it, it becomes exponential because you're imagining someone on the other end. It's almost like, um, like imagine someone's like on a telephone, right? Like, and you're like, imagining them calling you and you answer because they want to, to hear from you and versus like, I'm going to let it go to voicemail. Like, that's what I think about all the time. Like they don't really care. No, they do care. And so assuming no one cares, makes your content fall flat or it, or it can make you seem um, invisible. 
but we make ourselves invisible by assuming no one cares. And so one of the, th- even if it's just one person that really helped me in the beginning is like, someone cares about my post. Someone's reading my email. Someone's listening to my podcast. Um, and I'm going to share a membership fail because and this is related to audience size. Using leverage offers too early. So I, <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys are following me at this point, but I, a, a few years ago, I started a membership for like 30 bucks a month. And it was like free coaching. I would just do hot seat coaching kind of like every week, kind of like the matrix a little bit, but just 30 bucks. And it was just me. And I think I had like 15 people join, which was super cool. And I was super grateful, but I was making so much money with my one-on-one, the leverage offer didn't make sense for my audience size. And so one of the things you have to think through is like, does the math make sense for this kind of offer? And for me, it became something where I started to resent the offer because it wasn't making the money that I was used to making. And so I shared this example because I think that if we don't look at our audience with love, but also does the offer that I wanna make them make sense, we can put ourselves in a, a situation where our offers don't feel good or we feel like we're overextending or it doesn't actually make sense. Goals. And so that was one of my audience fails. Um, the other mistake I, I think that other entrepreneurs make and I've made before too, is not making your offer sexy or intriguing for your current audience. Um, they want to be like delighted. If you think about like dating, right? Like they want to be intrigued by what you do. They want to be curious. In fact, one of the things that we've talked about before is if you don't have curiosity, you don't really have a relationship. And so it doesn't matter how big your audience is, right? It's, it's great. It's an asset if you have a big audience, if they're curious about what you do, right? And so are you making your offers? Are you making your content interesting? Like, do people want to watch you? And are you, because that's one way we can use or maximize and optimize the audience we already have. And that starts with whatever your audience is now, right? It doesn't matter how big it is. Are you treating them with, like, are they curious? Do you assume they're curious about you? One of the things that I said right at the bottom is think of your audience you already have a total sense of gratitude because it is enough, right? That is the foundation. The foundation of all abundance is that what I have is enough. And so let's move on into time. And so the example I'm going to give you is like this new new life coach. It's like, I'm brand new, but I charge $100,000 a year. Like, Without the time in the industry, sometimes our prices don't make sense. It's not like always true, but like think about the difference between that and Tony Robbins, who's like, I've been coaching CEOs and presidents and celebrities for 25 years and I have a wait list and I charge a million dollars a year, right? This is a credibility thing. And so one of the things I think um, we all have to be aware of, not, not that it's like a rule or anything, but the longer you're in the industry, the more experience you get, the more credibility you have. And so it's easier to charge higher prices. Not that you can't charge higher prices without time in the industry. I just think it's easier. And so um, that being said, these are the five levers that you all have. You all have a certain amount of time in the industry. You all have a certain size audience. You all have deliverables in the form of coaching or products or programs or assets that you share with your customers and clients. Um, you all have some level of demand. You re- you already do. And you all have prices that you're choosing. And so one of the things that I want to kind of, I don't know, demonstrate is how you can use them depending on the level that you're at and how you can use them well. So if you consider yourself a beginner, I would recommend charging what you feel great about and then keeping your blinders on, even if it's a lower amount than you hear other people charging. I think one of the blessings I had at the beginning is like, I just didn't know anyone. And so I just like charged what felt good. And I was scrappy, <laughs> like we talked about a few weeks ago. And I just kept my blinders on and it felt good. And I got experience and I grew and I built relationships. And when you're in a beginner, you're the best asset you have is your relationships, especially if you're doing like one-on-one coaching or something like that, right? It's all about relationships. As you grow, and a lot of you guys are probably in this phase where you're more intermediate, you've made some money, you have had some clients, you've had experience, you've been in the industry for a while. Like that's when you start raising your prices. Um, that's when you, you start having demand and then you start selling less spots. That, that has been really helpful for me than you think you can fill. And then you start thinking through maybe an Ascension model, which is basically like you have a lot of people on your free, right? A lot of people following you, less people paid and maybe less, even less people. If you think of like a triangle, even less people in your high ticket offers or something, um, like that. Advanced, I think this is where you have demand at every level of your business ascension model, high ticket through low ticket. 
And then the ma- I put the master because like to see this in real life, it, sometimes it's helpful to see it in a different industry. And I put Apple, like they're not the cheapest, right? They, they create amazing high quality products, but they have demand at every level, right? They have demand for their AirPods, just like they have demand for their, their Macs. They have demand for their new iPhones. They have demand for every new product they come out with. Why? They mastered the levers, right? They have a huge audience. They have people who love their stuff. Um, they've found a price point that people pay for, but it's high, still higher ticket than a lot of other products. Um, and they're super credible because they've been in the, they've been the industry leader for years now. And so that, that really helped me to be like, okay, like that's, if that's like the golden standard, right. How can I model my business after that? And, um, another, um, brand that came to my mind was Nike. And I really love the book shoe dog. Um, what, this is a stupid question, but what is an essential model? That is not a stupid question. So another way that it's been said is like a value ladder, Rebecca, um, if you study Russell Brunson, but basically think about like, think about a pyramid. This is how I think about it. At the bottom of the pyramid for me would be like my podcast, my Instagram, my email list, all the free stuff. The next tier up is like the matrix, right? It's like the, it's, it's less of me, but it's my first introductory offer. And then it's the miracle mind. And then it's my one-on-one. All of you guys have this, even if it's just free and one-on-one coaching or free and program, it's like how people find you and work their way up. If that makes sense. I can even draw, we can like draw one if that is helpful. Um, Hopefully that answered your question, but basically it's like how people get closer to working with you. Right. In my ideal, my, in my ideal, someone would find me on Instagram, join the matrix fall in love with my work, hire me one-on-one, right? Like that would be my ideal ascension for my client. It's kind of like the client journey, if that's an, a better word for you. Um, and everyone has one. That's like, even if all you do is one-on-one coaching, you still have an ascension model because maybe they're following you on your social media or they listen to your podcast or whatever. And then you make an offer and then they say, yes, I want it, right? Or even if like from social media, they opt into your email list, right? Something like that. They opt into something and then they get more of you, more value, more proximity. It makes sense. Okay, cool. So this is, I'm going to provide, not, this is from no, I, I just made this up in my mind. So if it feels like you, it's not, I promise. I just was making this up because I think examples can be helpful. I'm going to give some case studies. So does the math make sense, right? This is how we, how we use the levers in our business to make sense for our goals. So let's say there's a high performance coach who wants to hit 100K by working with five clients at 20K a year. This high performance coach has experience. They love, you know, working with, you know, maybe Olympic athletes or whatever. That would make sense, right? Like 20K a year, five clients, they have experience. They maybe they're certified high, high performance. They have an email list, whatever. Like that would make sense. Um, number two, a new coach wants to hit 100K by selling a membership for $97 a month, 100 followers. And I've seen this, and like I said, it's not like any of you guys, I'm just using examples, but hopefully you can see like, it sounds like an easy sell, right? Like $97 a month. But then when you get four people in there, because you don't have the demand or the audience side, that lever doesn't make sense. The the offer doesn't make sense. The price doesn't make sense anymore. And so one of the things that I think we accidentally do, and we're going to talk about how to actually use this information is we look at people who have been in the industry for 10 years, who have an audience of 50,000 followers, and then they launch a membership and now they're making millions of dollars. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. And one of the things that I want to add is I don't think it's a bad idea if you're willing to also spend 10 years, like adding the time to this, right? Okay. That's fine. You want to sell a membership for $97 a month with 200 followers. Are you willing to spend five years only selling this and growing this and working on growing your audience? And if the answer is yes, I think there's pretty much no offer you can come up with and spend enough time to make it work. But if you're interested in making money faster, it would probably be a better offer if that makes sense. Number three, brand new website designer has zero inquiries, but wants to work with high tickets, high ticket clients only, right? The math doesn't make sense because she doesn't have the demand for a high ticket offer. And so maybe for her, it would be like starting with lower level clients, doing whatever um, piecemeal like offers she can do to start getting experience and build relationships and get testimonials. Number four, a life coach who serves stay at home moms who wants to sell a high ticket mastermind. 
it's like, sometimes we think the offer is going to be great because it's not as expensive as one of one. They're going to love it. But you have to remember who you're selling to, right? Does a stay-at-home mom want a high-ticket mastermind? Probably not, unless there's like some different ROI, like they're an entrepreneur, they have a business, or maybe they're, you know, um, they, they, I'm trying to think of something else, but if that makes sense, like you have to think through the person, are they going to pay for the mastermind? Are they going to pay high ticket for a mastermind? Probably not. And so those are just some examples. I'm going to keep going. Number five, a mindset coach who works with athletes, performance, and leaders wants to sell a mid-ticket group program via word of mouth. Like, I love this offer, especially via word of mouth. That seems like the math makes sense because of the, the kind of person that they're working with. They're doing it word of mouth. They're not trying to build an audience, right? They're doing something that's very, um, it can be very doable because they're getting the word of mouth marketing versus like waiting for their audience to grow. And then number six, entrepreneur with 10K followers launches a subscription box for $97 a month. Also, uh, it depends on their demand, but would probably be a good business model for them. Just because in our industry, so you guys know, like for people who run ads and um, and things, a good conversion rate is like one to 3%. Okay. So next time you get a no, like don't, don't make it mean anything. It doesn't mean it just means that there's less people that buy than you think or want to buy. And so those are just some of the examples that I came up with. And like I said, I didn't like think of anyone in particular, but I think it's helpful to see what works, what doesn't, what can feel good. And um, just because you think it's going to be easy to sell, doesn't mean it's going to be easy to sell. Like I've definitely had that experience. And so I think this, these levers idea will help you see, like, sometimes you have a great offer, but your other levers don't make sense, right? Like the $97 a month membership, like for number two, right? Yeah. Like the $97 a month membership sounds great, but the audience size and the demand won't help them hit goals. And so part of our work is to understand what levers we have available and what we're making make sense. In fact, one of my um, friends, many of you guys know him, his name is Mark Butler, and he does bookkeeping for life coaches. And he says the people who make the most money are the ones who sell high ticket one-on-one. They don't have the membership. They don't have group programs. They focus on one-on-one. And like, I think that's a really powerful thing to, to be aware of. Not that you have to do one-on-one forever, but if you want to make money like this year, right? Or this month, a one-on-one offer works really well. And so as you get more time and you're different, you get different strengths and different levers, you can pull it. Maybe you have a huge audience size and a lot of demand, a lower ticket offer would make sense. But if you have a small audience and low demand, a high ticket one-on-one offer would make sense. So some key points that I want you to think through is like, what makes your business work? Number one, you guys know, this is like my favorite saying, but like blinders on, stop comparing yourself to people ahead of you. Until you're you're wanting to learn from them directly, because that's where you're at, it doesn't really make sense, like the membership model, right? Until you have that audience or that demand, it doesn't necessarily make sense for where you're at. Not saying it can't work. Like we talked about, like if you're willing to spend the time it took her or him to build that business model, that's fine. If you're willing to take the time, just know that it's not going to happen overnight. Um, like my $30 membership. I did it for a couple months and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not willing to spend the time to get that lever to make this work. And so I changed the structure of that offer and it worked really well. And um, the relationship foundation business is always about people. So in my experience, like if I feel doubt, if I feel like something's not working, I'm like, I need to, I need to stop focusing on whatever I'm focusing on and start serving the people who I already have. That's always helped me. Um, whether it's like through content or just like literally like reaching out to people I know and serving, it gets me out of my own head and kind of starts that momentum again. Leverage. Some of you guys, this is going to be really relevant for. Some of you aren't quite there yet. Use your own discernment. Um, use leveraged offers when you have proven demand. If you've already been getting clients and people asking about what you do. If you've been in the industry long enough to have the credibility in the marketplace and you have an audience of buyers, you have people who, who buy from you regularly. I think that's when a leveraged offer made sense for me and for anyone you've studied. Like leveraged offers make sense when you have audience of buyers, right? That's when you introduce the group. That's when you have a membership. That's when you do products or whatever. Love your current audience. Like I feel like this is so underrated, especially in our industry. How you treat your current audience determines the demand you experience for your offers. Because when you're adding value and you feel like you have a relationship and you anticipate that they're waiting for you to make an offer, the energy that you bring to your sales is so different. 
right? And so the best thing you can do, no matter what what level you're at, truly is to fall in love with the people who are already following you, who are already reading your stuff, who are already liking and commenting. Love them. <laughs> the next number five is love your offer. As an example, one-on-one coaching will never go out of style. Do you love your one-on-one offer? Because like no matter how many memberships or group programs, people still want that one-on-one support and attention. I think that's really important to remember. doesn't matter what your competition, competition is doing. There's no one like you. And so, and that's just one example, but you can have lots of offers, but the more you're the more you love it, the more you're excited by it, the more intrigued you are, the more intriguing it's going to be to your people. And that's like a subconscious thing, right? Like the way we talk about things that we love, think about a movie that you went and saw with your, you know, your partner or your kid or whatever, and you loved it. And you're telling someone about this amazing, you know, movie, the energy that you bring to it makes them interested versus like, yeah, it was all right. You know, it it was okay. Sometimes we accidentally do that because, we actually don't love our offer. And so I think that that's a really important foundational piece. And then evaluate often, number six, what's working, what's not working. How can you use the levers that we talked about today to serve your business better? And this is where I think we're going to just start making it real um, because I think that's the best for me, like actually helping someone execute this is going to be really powerful for everyone in the group, but also for the person who jumps on the hot seat. So how can you utilize the levers we discussed today to maximize your sales now? So just to recap the five levers that we talked about, um, deliverables. So like your, the offer, your time, worksheets, workbooks, products that you've made, whatever, what you're, what you're actually giving away in your business, the price you choose, the demand you have, which like we talked about, it's a continuum. It is not binary. It's not like you either have demand or you don't. It's like, how much demand do you have and how can you utilize that? What's your audience size? Unless you're running ads, which means that you're going and seeking people out, but for for organic type marketing, like your audience size matters because it's a lever you can pull. And then how long have you been in the industry just for that credibility and that relationship? Okay, so I'm gonna open it up. for people and we can refer to the slides, but that's it. Even if it's like something that just sparked a question or something, I want to support you guys. Cause I think the real use of this is going to be extremely valuable to you. So does anyone have a question or want to, yeah, Dara, why don't you, I'm saying that right. Dara, right? Dara. Yeah, it's Dara. Oh, okay. Hi Dara. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Great. I'm so glad that Colette told me all about you. No, I'm so glad. Welcome to the matrix. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I think like this has been really helpful to look at, um, what makes my business work. Mm -hmm. So I have done the one-on-one, the high ticket, and now I have my membership, but the demand has not, it hasn't followed through like it was before. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of confusing to me in some ways because, you know, before it was like, I filled up my groups. I, you know, I had like my, you know, I was at like 12 K for four months and I was able to fill those. And now I have my $2,000 offer, which I absolutely love. I love the ladies in my group. I love my offer. Um, but I think where my place that I feel like when we said the, the five was I do love my, I love the current audience, but I don't totally believe that they're there ready to go all the time. Like yeah. it's, I have 1600 people on my email list. Uh, my Instagram was disabled. So I'm like starting again. So I'm kind of bitter about that. Yeah. And I totally yeah. recognize that, Yeah, but it's like, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know why I haven't made more money this year. And, um, cause the last two years I've consistently made like multiple six figures. When did you change your offer structure? Uh, so in January. So January, I started my lifetime membership. So it's $2,000 for a lifetime membership. Okay. Um, I, in some ways, I think I probably should try to offer my one-on-one again, um, just for the income. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I could do that. Yeah. But I think there's like a little bit of confidence where I'm like, I don't know if I could get to that 12 K for, you know, six months again, or, or four months even. And it just feels kind of confusing to me, like from past coaches telling me like 
you, once you're done, you're done. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. So. Well, what do you think about it? Do you think when you're done, you're done? Well, I would, I would, I, I do have one still one one-on-one client just because I just love her so much. And I, and I just kind of like felt like I was like breaking the rules. Yeah. Um, but I do feel I've never felt this kind of pressure for money before my business. Yeah. Um, because now I have a team. Yeah. And so I have a team of people and I chose to buy a house for my mom. So when I used to have like this big, really comfortable bubble yeah, of yeah. money, I don't have that anymore. And, um, so there's like more money stress than I felt in a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And I did think that I was going to be further ahead. I mean, I have consistently made six to 7,000 a month this year, which is amazing. Um, but from home, know, right. <laughs> pardon. I said from home, right. Yeah. Like, and like loving, cool. my, <laughs> loving my ladies, but yeah, I'm like, wow, last year at this time I'd made like 300,000 and now I'm at like 80,000. So it feels kind of, it's, it's challenging for me. Yeah. What's the feeling that's coming up though? Um, uh, like I want to say scarcity, but it's just like insecurity of like, how was I so successful for the last two years? And now I just feel like I, 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 it's like, yeah, really just insecurity of like, why can't I consistently do this anymore? Like I've like, like what's happening. Yeah. Is there any like embarrassment or anything like that? Um, a little bit, there's a little bit, like, especially when you were going through the, at the beginning of this, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why am I here? Like, I, it feels like, like I should be teaching this class. Like I've done those things. So there's a piece of me that does have a little bit of embarrassment, but then the other piece is like, no, like, come on, get over yourself. Like it's, it's okay. Like we're always learning or growing. And so, um, I kind of just let the embarrassment be there and be like, no, I'm all in. Like, this is a new offer. That was, that was my past. I can learn from it, but I want to move forward. And I love what I'm doing. Like, I love my like lifetime membership. I love the vision of it. And I do, I do feel like my foundation for the ladies that are in my program is amazing. Like they show up, they're there. So then do you think it's a demand problem? Like you just don't have the demand. Yes, definitely. I, I definitely feel like, um, cause there is a, a, a really big thought that I have, like, I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I built so quickly was I had kind of a, and this is the story and I like, this is a terrible story, but I had a famous client and I got her good results and I helped her. And then she would just, we'd just have the Instagram lives or Facebook lives. And then I would just have people like flooding me. And so I had so many, so many people that I didn't have to be as clever with my marketing because people are like, Oh, I really like what she's saying. And now I don't, I don't have that, um, flow anymore. Mm-hmm. So then I think, Oh, like, and I, I feel like I've been trying to be clever in my marketing and I feel like I try, but I think there is definitely still this thought, like, I can't do this by myself. Like I need other people to help me. Yeah. Which is interesting. Cause when I think of that, like you just create a demand through a word of mouth client. Yeah. But you still know how to create demand, but now yeah. it's maybe it's like the, the circumstances, the details are different. Yeah. When we change, like one of the things that I found when I change my offers is like, it's almost like a brand new business. Like, cause I did one-on-one for so long and it's so easy. It's to me, it's like so easy to sell one-on-one cause I'm just talking to people Versus now it's like, okay, like I have this, like, it's not just me. It's like this lifetime membership. It's a totally different business. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's inevitable that you'll get, you'll get it there. It's like almost like a, like a cycle. Like you're like, okay, like I cycled with one-on-one and now I'm like kind of building again with this lifetime membership. Do you love, I know you love the offer. Do you still love the offer based on like when you conceived it and now, and now like, do you love it as yeah, much? I, in fact, that uh, this offer that I'm selling now it was my dream. Okay. Yeah. So like doing the one-on-one, I kept the, and I and I knew when I did one-on-one, and actually I knew it was going to be set. You know when you have like a newborn, yeah, like you love that stage, 
but yeah. you're kind of like, I look forward to them, like walking on their own and seeing them graduate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you like the idea, like, you know, that there's going to be phases for everything. Yeah. So like when I was doing my one-on-one, I actually did love it because it was like 23 ladies every week. They just came to me. I was like, let's do this. And I knew that that process was going to make me amazing in my lifetime membership. Yeah. So like, I knew that it was, I knew I was going to really enjoy it. Yeah. But I also knew it was going to be like so stellar for when I have this lifetime, because my, my goal has always been to build this like incredible community of women and empower them and help them with that. So, yeah. So I'm sure I know that you have experience. So you're familiar with like the, like the three buckets, like new, you know, cold, warm, hot, how many new people are you getting into your email list? Okay. So that's where it's, that's yeah. probably, yeah, that's probably where you're getting a little stuck. Yeah. Like I, I did an in-person event, so I'm a professional quilter turned weight loss. coach. Oh, amazing. I love that. So fun. So I went to like a quilt show in Utah and I got a stack of names. They're right here. They're in it. And so I sent them like, you know, emails and stuff and no one's converted yet. And then I'm going to another, I'm flying down to Utah again for another one um, and doing another show. Um, there's a big quilt thing that I'm doing in November. There's going to be like 20,000 women there. Cool. So do you help quilters lose weight then? Yeah. And I've, I, I just did a thing last week where I think that I'm, yeah. So basically my podcast is weight loss for quilters. Cool. I, I am going to change the name to like my programs called love yourself then because the last like four ladies that have come into my program aren't quilters, but they found my podcast. So then I was like, well, maybe I should be a little more inclusive. Um, and that also makes me also a little bit nervous because I want to still have my quilters, but I also, um, and I, I other, the other story that I kind of tell myself is I'm playing a little bit small, but I've, I'm not a person that plays small. Like I've never done that. Even though I tell myself like, like I ha- I'm six feet tall. I have five kids. Like everything I do, I do large. Big, yeah. <laughs> I uh, like it. my quilting machine is like 12 feet long, like, <laughs> I love it. like yeah. you know, and so, um, but I, I, I've been playing small probably for the last year. And it was and part of it was like, there's trauma definitely from a mastermind that I was in that, um, like kept telling me I wasn't like smart enough. I wasn't I wasn't high level enough, like all of that. So there's like, obviously you can still feel it. Like it's still. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot there. I know we messaged before you joined and I am sorry that that happened because I now know. it's like it's a bummer. It is a huge bummer. And it's like, you still want a business. Yeah. So a lot of that, that yeah. core belief stuff is going to show up for a little bit until you are more solid on the belief that you are absolutely smart enough and you're awesome at business, obviously. And you have an amazing offer for these people. Yeah. And I'm going to be more true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, there's definitely like, you know, I was able to like get money back. I was able to do those kinds of things, which was like amazing in April, but still April, May, but there's still like, yeah, it's almost like PTSD a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to be true about your offer and about the women that are going to find your offer? Um, well, I, I actually do believe what you just said recently. Like it's inevitable that I'm going to be successful. Like there is no doubt. Like I even did like worst case scenario. I'm like, I have to hire, I have to fire my whole team. Right. I will like, and I'm, I'm actually getting close to that. Like, <laughs> like if I don't make what I was hoping to make in the next two months, like they're done in yeah middle of September, like I'm going to just, and I wrote that down today. I was like, well, I will just not be able to do entreport as well. Um, I will just really know my business really well. And I'll know my, like I'll, my, cause my business will keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I am. Yeah. And I'm like, worst case scenario, you start selling one-on-one again. <laughs> like and you just make a lot of money doing what you know yeah and have my program still because my my program is amazing and it's all like set up yep 
Yeah. I feel like, yeah, like I'd, I'd love to do the one-on-one again. Um, but yeah, there's, I'm, I'm really surprised at like the emotion that's coming. Like, I'm so scared about doing one-on-one of saying 12 K for six months again. Yeah. Like ask your brain, why, like, why are you afraid to say that? Um, I think it's because it's like taking me down that road with that coach that I was with. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I had to, it was like a very codependent relationship and very like, she believed in me. She, it was like, she was like, I was like her little like plant and she used me in her, all her marketing. She used me like for all sorts of things. So it was just like very unhealthy. Gotcha. And so then of course, all of the things that I did, like my belief was like, well, because she believes in me, then I can work on this thing and I can be this 12 K coach. And so then it, and then it just brings back all of this, like bullying and gaslighting and all of these things that it's just like, I don't want to go down that road anymore. Like that was so like scary to me. Yeah. 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 I want to be sensitive, but I also want to believe in you. (laughs) Um, Right. So this is, this is interesting. What if we did an offer that like, like I'm thinking about like the lever conversation. What if it wasn't 12 K? What if it was something different just to get like some cash injected in your business? Yeah. Cause I do have, um, like I did put in my group, I said, like, I have one-on-one coaching 6k for every other, like an hour, every other week for six mm-hmm. months, which is essentially like the 12k. Yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. And no one took me up on it. So there again, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? You know, how long did you sell that for? Um, so I started out like, so it's been two and so in like the first person that paid me like 5k for six months was like October of 2019. And then, um, that was before I was certified. And then I started selling one-on-one like in March and I was like at like 5k for six months. And then in August I did this in like Facebook live, um, like a, like a five day training two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I got like, so then I was at 20 one-on-one clients and I went from 48 K to six K in like a day. Cause okay. I just was filling up so fast. Yep. So that was like August of 2020. And then by September of 2020, I had 23 one-on-one clients. And then in like the end of October, I was at 12 K for six months. And then I sold like six spots. Mm-hmm of 12k and then I started doing my group in October of 2k for 12 weeks and then in January no in like Feb March April I did my I sold a few more 12k for six months and then I sold my last one for 12k for four months and then that's when and then I started a mastermind so it was a little higher level group and then um my and then I kept every 12 weeks filling like 15 to 20 ladies mm-hmm. bought. And then, um, I started my lifetime membership in January, but that was always my goal was to sell enough of the group yeah. to get to this one. Cause that was yeah. like yeah. my big vision, right? Yeah. The de- to create the demand for this. Yeah. But I mean, so when you, you said you tried to sell 6k one-on-one, when was that? Like two months ago. Cause I was, I was buying this house for my mom and uh, like all this faithful thing. I was like, Oh my gosh. This big money is going to go away. Yeah. And how long did you sell it? Like how long? I, did, I just posted it once on my group. Yeah. And then you're like, see, I can't sell one-on-one anymore. I posted it one time and no one said anything. <laughs> I sold one. Well, the other thing that's happening is I have this like live retreat that's happening October 9th to 13th. And mm-hmm. I've had two ladies buy and it's for my weight loss maintenance. And that's it. Like, and all these ladies in my group, current group are like, yeah, we're going to this other retreat. Yeah. I'm selling my house. Yeah. I can't do this. So the other day on my walk, I was like, well, if I don't sell enough, those ladies are just going to have to come to my house. I have those two ladies, like they're just going to come to my house. Yeah. Leave so my house you, see, this is great though. Cause one of the <laughs> things you weren't in the matrix yet, but what a few weeks ago or, t- or last week, you guys were talking about being scrappy and basically 
to me, being scrappy means you're resourceful enough to make it work until you get the results you like really, really, really want. Right. Which for you, it's going to be like your lifetime membership is selling on demand. It's filling up. You're not really worried about it, but until we get there, can you be scrappy enough to make things work, to create the cash that you need to keep your business going until you get to that result? Right. So that's where I went to. And I was like, I, I just decided because I'm never going to put pressure on myself again, mm-hmm. which I still am obviously <laughs> working on it. But yeah, um, I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll say if, if we, if I don't sell enough spots by like September 15th, um, we're just, we're just going to come to my house. Yeah. And I, I have to sell five spots for it to be feasible for me to like fly out there and to rent the space. Uh, but then I thought, well, maybe I'll just do it at my house. Yeah. So this is what I want to offer instead of feeling pressure. And this is for all of you guys. What if we tapped into like the desire for the women to join and how many people like when you imagine like wanting them, how many people do you want there? 25, 25. Okay. How does it feel like notice in your body, like pressure? Cause to me, pressure means like constriction desire feels open to me. So yeah. When you're marketing, like, what if you're just noticing what's going on and when you feel pressure, like, okay, by September, oh my gosh, I don't have to be, yeah, my, yeah, it's yeah. going to be at my house versus like, oh, like I imagine, I'm imagining 25 women who get to support each other, who are there to meet their goals. And we get to be in a community, then notice what content comes out of you. It's going to feel totally different. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there was just, it was, it was like, I was constantly pressuring myself to reach my goals, to be her pet, to be like, and I know it sounds terrible, but it was the truth. Yeah. But obviously I must've done something really well because I was very successful. Yeah. Well, you learned how to market and you learned how to sell. I think that a lot of, you're going to be amazed at like all the principles that you learned are still true, but the energetic feel that you bring to it can be fun and light and desire and belief instead of like the scarcity pressure, which a lot of people use the principles are the same, right? Helping people make one of the things that uh, we might talk about is like helping people make a decision, right? One of the reasons that like marketing with a decision, like a timeline works is because it forces them to choose instead of being like, um, Oh, I can join whenever. And so you might consider having an open enrollment and closing the cart for your membership or whatever, five spots for one-on-one, something limited, not to, you know, be evilly evil and scarcity driven, but just like, this is what, this is what it is. Make a decision. And what's fueling that is desire and love and belief for these people. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I can see that I, yeah, I'm taking a lot of things personally. I also see that I've like, I, I really am curious of like why these people, like there's so many women that I coached and that were in my groups that haven't joined my lifetime membership. And I notice like over and over and I try hard to like coach myself on it, but there's, it's not that I'm resenting them, but I'm making it mean that I wasn't a good enough coach when they did hire me. And that's like, awful. It's a, it feels terrible to me. Yeah. And that's a sucky thought to hold on to. I know also, it's the worst. I was like, myself on Friday and I was like, why am I keeping this going? Yeah. It, I would just release that. And this is what I want to offer you is like, they're just different people. A lot of my one-on-one clinic clients don't come to these calls. Yeah. My relationship with them is different than the relationship I have here. I know, and I that, keep reminding myself that they yeah. like, they loved paying me a lot and 12,000. They yeah. loved me all to themselves. They don't yes. want to share me any, right. It's just a different, and I know that. And I actually do know that. Yeah. And so it's just reminding yourself of that. Like, Oh, this offer just isn't for them, it, but who is it for? And how can I reach that person? Because by obsessing with the one-on-one clients who are in your group, you're blocking all the people who could be in your, in your group by thinking about them. Yeah. But I, it was because I was making it mean like I wasn't good enough, which is a lie because yeah. We know you're good. Enough. Like It's funny. Cause you have all like, you know, you're good enough. You know, you're good at business. You know, your product's bomb and awesome. And it's going to change their life. It's just like, how can you be in the energy of desire when you speak to those women who aren't in the membership yet, but they will be. Yeah. That's it.
so hard. It is very hard. Yeah, I think a lot of people can probably relate to what you're feeling. But it's just, it's generated, right? It's not something that you stumble into. Belief is always generated. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think that there's a piece of me that feels like I didn't do it. Like there's like, I didn't own it that I, that I did it. It was because of her, because of the quilter girl, because of this coach. Yeah. Like it was all on them. It wasn't me. I was just like, I, I don't know why I still struggling with that. Like, why don't I own my success? It sounds, I don't know the details, but it sounds like you're in an abusive relationship. I don't know your coach. I don't know the details, but it sounds like there was a lot of unhealthiness there. And part of your healing and your work is going to be to own your sovereignty and your agency. Like I created that. I, even though it wasn't an awesome situation, I still did the work. I still signed the clients. I still wrote the copy. I still made the offers. I still did the thought work. Like it was you and the relationship with the coach was unhealthy and awful, but you, you left because you know what, what you want. It's funny because if you were to ask anyone on this call, they'd be like, you're awesome. Look what you did. (laughs) Like you created all these results. You created the success. No one'd be like, you know, it was totally the coach. Like it was totally the coach that did it. No one would say that. Your brain's just mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 yeah, it's very, um, it's really hard. And the thing that's fascinating is I actually did get money back. I did write a non-disparagement close. Like I did the work, Mm -hmm. but why am I not letting it go? Like, why am I not owning it? Owning the success, owning my success, owning my awesomeness. Like I have been trying to like coach myself on this and yeah. I think the more relevant question is, do you want to own it now in this moment? Can you own it? That I am so successful. Yes. And that I created all my own success. Because You could spin out for months and years and and trying to figure out why you're not owning it instead of blank slate. What do I want to create now? I want to create, I am a powerful entrepreneur and I created hundreds of thousands of dollars as a woman that works at home with an awesome product and an awesome service. I've made over 700,000. Yeah. I mean that like, you'll always, what's cool. This is, this is helpful. Cause like what I think is not talked about enough is that entrepreneurs do cycle where we we've made a lot of money and then we kind of cycle. Cause we have to learn something so that we can continue to grow in alignment. When we cycle, it doesn't matter what the cycle is. You will always be the woman who's made 700 plus thousand dollars as a coach. You will always be that person. No one can take that away from you. So set yourself free. Stop trying to figure out why just play now and then do what you already know to do. Be, you know, make the money that you didn't make and inject the cash in and then work on your belief that there's a woman out there who desperately needs your lifetime membership offer and write to her. Yeah. You can do both. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. I know that there's people on this call that probably really benefited from hearing you be coached. So thank you. Okay. Anyone else wants to jump on the hot seat about something? Anything? Yeah. Rebecca. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. And again, thank thank you, Colette, for um <laughs> suggesting that I join this. I feel like I know Colette well. <laughs> Colette's like we <laughs> are you to everyone. I know. Um, I a big thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I listened to your podcast for ages as well. So yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so um to just to check, can, can you is this just getting coached on like actions this session or can you kind of get coached on anything? Yeah, just anything that sparked on this call. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm kind of in a place now where I've got quite a good Instagram following, I've got like 80,000 followers, cool. but I've been getting very anxious. Sorry, just give you the backstory. I've 
filled out my one-on-one um so I've got like a wait list so I'm going to be taking new people in October so I'm upping my prices but that's another drama for another day um (laughs) and I've got a group coaching program which I'm like doing in cycle so again I've got a wait list for that I'm launching that next month as well so everything's going kind of nice and well um but I've got this real fear at the moment and it's kind of making my action a bit messy um and I don't know if this is I think um Dara might have said that this is something that happened to her I've seen that a few people's Instagram accounts have just randomly been deleted <laughs> like people's um you know coaches whatever like Instagram can just randomly randomly delete it and because I've been getting all of my clients from Instagram I'm now like oh my god <laughs> like I'm not safe like my business could just be like gone at any moment so I've suddenly started this like my action of being like right I need to build my email list I need to build TikTok I want to start a podcast um and I feel like I'm maybe trying to do everything <laughs> and I think I'm, yeah and I'm so it sounds so crazy but like every morning I'm like going on my Instagram and like refreshing it and being like oh, still there <laughs> and it's like oh my god like this is not good <laughs> like every day just like expecting that like you know, I'm really proud of my Instagram. Like, I know that I've, I've put out really great content and I, it's built quite quickly because I only really, I'm quite new to coaching, so it has built quite fast, but I think it's just this fear that any minute it's all going to go and it's definitely messing with my action line because obviously yeah. my thoughts and feelings are messy. <laughs> yeah, and, fr- and it almost feels like frantic. Like, okay, yeah. i got to do, do a podcast and you're like ex- probably exhausted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I think has helped me is like, my brain is a really good, like doom generator. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, your Instagram could disappear overnight. It's like, Whoa, like you can either like be freaked out or just look for the intelligence and keep the emotion out, which the intelligence is, Hey, you need to like have a platform yeah. on Instagram. And then, but what you're doing is you're bringing the emotion of fear instead of just selecting the intelligence out of it. Yeah, that's, yeah, oh, that's such a good way to put it. Just put the intelligence out of the fear, and but you weren't in a hurry because there is no rush, right? Your actions might be the same. Get on TikTok, mm. build your email list, start a podcast, maybe not all at once. But so when we kind of like separate, what's the intelligence there for you? Yeah, like I think it definitely is like true that Instagram can do this to people um and you know I want my business to have like longevity so I don't want to wake up in like two years and it all like start like again um so yeah I definitely want to build an email list like that's just like should do anyway um I think I do want to start a podcast I think that's I feel like that's the you know my ideal client it's someone that probably binges podcasts yeah. <laughs> um probably less so with TikTok like I feel like that would be a good thing to to have but um maybe not as much of a priority um I just think I've, I've got this belief that even if I build like pretty okay email list or you know I start a podcast and get some people there I still just have this thought that like if my Instagram completely get shut down or whatever in the future then I'm literally gonna have to start again and I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills or like who knows by then I might have like a child and like I'm gonna have no income like I like said it goes to that doom which I realized I just went straight back to the doom very quickly yeah Yeah. well our brains are so good at that (laughs) Um, one of the things that I want you to play with is when entrepreneurs are successful it's not because of their resources it's because of their resource resourcefulness right I can tell you're a really resourceful person, but I also can sense that you are like putting a lot of your success on the resources that you have. Like, well, it's because I have Instagram mm. followers or it's because it's not, it's because you're a resourceful person. Does that feel true? Yeah, I find that so hard to like grapple with because the way I've seen my business like grow is the more followers I've had, the more clients I've been able to get and the bigger wait list I've been able to grow. So in my head, like that's it's just so alien to even think like like that the 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 number of followers has nothing to do with it, which I know doesn't I know that there are people 
like that are making far more than what I'm making without as big an audience but it it just feels so alien to me like I just don't understand (laughs) yeah well it's funny because even if like this is a really powerful thing to remember is like even if your Instagram followers got taken away would you know what to do to build a following again yeah I'm probably a lot quicker than I've done it this time because obviously I had to learn it this time so but you'll kind of like I was um just coaching like you'll always be the person who built the following and no no one can take that away from you the self-concept of the person and so instead of using Instagram followers as a crutch like use your own self-concept your own belief your own skill sets that you get to take with you no matter what as the crutch as the as the solid foundation really it's totally yeah and then it's like when the fear pops up it's like okay like there's intelligence there I don't need to dismiss it it's like hey your Instagram could disappear and without being frantic it's like okay what do I want to do today about that I'm going to make a TikTok yeah yeah. unsexy uncrazy and then you (laughs) repeat that just like you've been repeating actions to grow your Instagram but it's yeah. rooted in the self-concept of like, I'm a resourceful entrepreneur. I know how to make money no matter what. Do you believe that? Yeah, I just, when I imagine like, say that future moment, if ever were to happen, say it's like years down the line or whatever. Yeah, I know I could start it again. I could build it. And I guess my brain's just like, well, I could get an, another job that's not coaching to like support me financially. But I don't know if that's a bad thing that I'm thinking. And you have like this, assu- and you have this assumption that, like, if people lost you on Instagram, they wouldn't also want to find you again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, one of that's the good point. <laughs> is that we have is relationships. Like, I know if my Instagram went down, my people would find me. I bet your people would find you too. Hmm. What do you believe about your audience? That that might be the deeper thing. Is that like they could disappear and they won't care about you? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe just that, like, it's also, there's so many coaches, people follow loads of, I don't, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe I just think that the only way, I don't know, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I haven't even thought about it from that point of view, like, that they might be like, oh, I've not seen a post from Rebecca in a while, oh, God, like, this because her account's now, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like what if you like kind of created almost like a a thought bank (laughs) of your audience? It's like people log into Instagram and type in my name to find me. And when they, they, when I didn't come up, they would find me. Yeah. But like, more importantly, who would you have to be for that to be true where people were seeking you out? Yeah. Like who, as in like, who would I, be showing up as what would you have to think about yourself yeah that I'm like really helping people and yeah like that people count on me for support it's bigger than just like an Instagram following it's like serving people loving your work like what if you just have the thought that just like I would just like pop this around sometimes like you're doing dishes and you're like people seek me out people try to find me because I think your your thought pattern has been like how can I get followers like I'm looking for followers but what if people are looking for you and then it doesn't matter yeah. how many followers you have they're gonna find you but what, what if that was true yeah I like that that feels so much better and even that makes me think of like if I did have to start it all again like oh it would be so easy because like my niche is like relationships mm-hmm. um and there's like so many people wanting help with their relationships so it's like there's so many people that turn to Instagram and TikTok and podcasts like people are looking not like I mean <laughs> I guess that was just me not making it personal to me but like people are looking for that content I know people resonate with my work people tell me that so yeah I think maybe I need to work on that belief but (laughs) I think that like for all of us it's so important to remember like the assets that we have for our business the levers that we talked about today the audience everything 
are not as important as who we are. Like we are the ones that pull the levers. We're the ones that make decisions. We're the ones that create the content and create the offers and create the relationships. And so even if the levers were taken away, you just build them again. And to me, that makes me like, that's personal power, right? Like it has nothing, like the difference is circumstantial power. Circumstantial power is how many Instagram followers you have. Personal power is how I serve them, what offers I make to them, how long I'm willing to keep going, right? That's always within Mm. your control. And so, yeah, I think- and I think that makes so much sense because I've always, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, similar to, I think Dara said that um, about like not owning that she'd created it. Like, I feel the same with mine. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, it was a fluke. Like, when I talk about my last group, I'm like, oh, yeah, I filled all those like spots. Like, I can't wait to do it again. That was a fluke. Like, yeah. oh, I've got this Instagram following. Like, I don't know how I'll do that again. That was a fluke. Yeah. Like, I, it is always on my brain. Yeah. Like, it was just a fluke or like, yeah. God forbid if you have to do it again, because like rather than no, you did that, you can yep. do that again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think that, that is way better than trying to like fight the fear, right? Is instead of like trying to fight the fear, it's like what's more true? It's like I'm the kind of person who knows how to do this. I'm the kind of person that can figure it out again if I had to. It's yeah, the, I like that. the resourcefulness, the way of being. Yeah. I have no fear for you. Even if you lose your Instagram, I'm not really worried about it because you can do like, you can just do it again or do something different. You know how to create clients. Now the mechanism of Instagram followers is great, but you can use lots of different mechanisms to get the same kinds of clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny how your brain just wants to like be negative about everything. Cause even I was like, Oh yeah. Like imagine how great it will be if I managed to build an email list, like 10,000, that would be the dream. And then my brain's like, but no one even reads their emails. <laughs> like, yeah. Like my brain just wants to be like, no, you're going to just die yeah. and fail. It's just going to be awful. <laughs> yeah, and you can just like observe it and be like, interesting. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Even though I know the reason I'm here is because of the emails you did like, yes. last <laughs> week and you were right. like doors closed tomorrow and I was like oh shit <laughs> yeah. and like joined so yeah. it's like, 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 like the funny, you have evidence and yet your brain's still like no yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the observer have you read the big leap no okay if you're if you're a reader I highly recommend you read the big leap um that like impending doom that like that negative thought that always creeps up is just like an upper limit problem. I bet you're playing a game that's bigger than you imagined, which is great, but it can be challenging to your identity. But that book really helped me with all of that stuff. So I highly recommend Oh, amazing. I'll get that read. All right, you guys, thank you. Welcome to the new Matrix members. This is gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, so next week is just all hot seat coaching. And so we'll just do like lots of hot seat coaching. But for now, Go look at your levers. What can you do? What are things that you used to do do that worked that you've stopped doing? What are things that um, maybe ideas that came to you today that you can start applying and um, get to work? All right. Okay. I'll see you guys next week. And yeah, have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Coaching Matrix private podcast. I just wanted to tell you, thank you for being a member. Thank you for being here. I hope you found today's episode helpful for your life and for your business. And I want you to know that I am cheering you on and I will see you in another episode. Bye.